Hey legends, my name is Mo and welcome to the Can't Can More podcast. I'm a Royal Marine who is dedicated to optimizing human performance and want to bring you exposure to the fantastic people supporting the same aim. I speak with an individual who has dedicated his life to football. Signing a professional contract as a teenager, he describes his journey culminating in national team duty. He explains what he has to overcome daily to be better tomorrow than today. Episode 18, Cyrus Christie. How's things, man? How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Just getting by. Um, Off-season, so I've got a little break. So I need to get back training. So. When did you? Yeah. When did the season finish for you? Uh, when did it finish? It was about three weeks ago now. Is it? Half, three, something like that, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just doing a bit of rehab at the minute. I had a bit of an injury through the whole season, so... What, what were you carrying? Um, I tore the fibers off the bone in my groin, in like an adductor. Um, it was just like coming from something else. And then, yeah, I just played the whole season with it and it just, obviously, didn't really get much time to rest. So, cortisol injection. Major. Uh, no, 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 no injection. It sounds worse than it is. It's, uh, it's not that bad. It's just an annoying one because of the position it's in. You can't really, um, obviously fully rest it. So, yeah, you just kind of got to just be careful, but. It's not too bad. It's getting better. Now I've had a bit of rest. It's slowly recovering. When's pre-season start for you then? Uh, pre-season is 26th June. Back in on the 26th. So a couple more weeks. So it's not too bad. So we'll be in for testing like one or two days before and then fully kick off. So what? So what is, what is pre-season like though? Uh, sorry, off-season like though? Is it, did you get a time off or are you supposed to be doing maintenance? Are there any naughty boys that when they come back for testing are probably out of shape um, more than they should be? Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the routine there? Um, you get given a schedule, you get given a programme that you've kind of got to stick to. Once the season's done, you get Kind, that kind of? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but some people just do their own thing, do you know what I mean? So obviously, the older you get, the more you just obviously realise what your body what your body needs um, and obviously what it's telling you. But yeah, like I said, you get a program that you're obviously meant to stick to or they hope that you'll stick to anyway. Um, you know, so start, you'll get two, three weeks off maybe just to not do anything and then kind of just go from there and slowly build yourself up um, ready for pre-season. I think it's kind of the days are gone where you have to, you can just build up to over pre-season. You've kind of got to come back fit and flying from the off really. So yeah, no, it, it is tough. Um, but like I said, yeah, some people can come back in whatever shape, but like I said, people people do think differently and, and it's down to the person really on, on how they approach it. And, you know, if you feel like something's best for you, then I think that's what you have to do. Personally, that's my, that's my thought. Um, you know, you've played in the game for, for many years. You, you understand your body more than anyone else will understand it. So if your body's telling you something that you need, then, then you do it, whether that's not sticking to obviously what the sports scientists set you. Um, you know, you've kind of got to incorporate both really at, at times. But like I said, most people do nowadays stick to stick to their program and they, and they will have their own trainers as well that they'll do their stuff with. So they kind of complement and implement both of the both of the different things. So where are you going back to? Because you're currently on loan at Nottingham Forest. Is that right? Are you yeah. going to go back to Fulham or staying on loan? I'm back to Fulham. So I'm back in at Fulham, yeah, like I said, on the, on the 24th, 26th. Um, so yeah, I'm back to there and... and See what happens. Obviously, I'm, I'm contracted to Fulham, and 
you know, everyone else, everyone's on their on their breaks now and on their holidays. So, you know, you, there's, there's not much dialogue or much communication that goes on in, in the off-season and, you know, not much gets done, as you always see when in football, you know, everything's always last minute. So, yeah, I'm back to Fulham. That's, that's obviously the the goal now is I'll go back there and, and obviously that's where, where my future is at the minute and, you know, we, we see how it goes and see what happens and I was at Nottingham Forest last year and, you know, which was... Which was was, uh, was 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 very different for me. Obviously, going from Fulham to Fulham to there, and you know, obviously after you get promoted, you know, you you want to go in and and obviously play in the Premier League. But you know, it, it just didn't happen. I went I went on loan to Nottingham Forest and, and played every game, which was which was a fantastic experience for, for such a big club. Mate, I want to come back to that that point there because I think it's a really interesting dynamic that you that you spoke about because you know I'm I'm fascinated in terms of people's like mindsets and their their ability to move forward after what would have been a setback really like for you yeah. but I want to come back to that in a bit because I've got a bit of an order I've got OCD about how I want to I'll do <laughs> no worries, that yeah. all right where's yeah, the, mate just where's the training ground for Fulham yeah training ground for Fulham's in Surrey yeah where about yeah yeah so so yeah, is that Mosford yeah. Park Motsford Park, yeah. That's Mate, one, yeah. So I used to go to Beverly Boys School, uh, which was on Motsford Park. We used to run around that park, the edge, edge of the park. That's where I'm from, um, that round there. Uh, is that the park where we go past the train station? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The level crossing. Yeah, we've, uh, yeah, we've had to go there a couple of times to run around it. It's not nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So we used to do that. And then, mate, I, I used to, I've just literally moved from Parsons Green. I was about seven minutes walk from Craven Cottage. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was there. Uh, I was back actually before when I first moved. I was at Battersea Square, but then I yeah, moved out to Surrey. Yeah, mate. So my oh, mate yeah. used to live in Bat- Battersea Square. It's nice. Yeah. What, yeah, no, it's nice around there. I used to, I grew up in Kingston. That's where I'm from. Okay, and, uh, yeah, nice, yeah. Mate, you never used to go to Battersea unless no. you wanted to get in trouble. Like, it's obviously, yeah. there's a few, you know, few areas. Now, yeah. yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, no, I used to go south, southwest London's my sort of moulded. Yeah. So I know the area fairly yeah. well. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's a good place. Good place to live. Mate, so you're from Coventry? I'm from Coventry, yeah. So I grew up in Coventry. What was that? Born like? in Coventry and then... There's not Coventry much in Coventry other than Coventry. No, yeah, 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 no. yeah, there's not much. Um, yeah, it's obviously changed over the years. Obviously, when you're growing up and you're from there, like you always think there's a lot going on, do you know what I mean? But then obviously, once you start venturing out and you just kind of realise it is how much of a small place it is, really. But then I guess that's really kind of the same for anyone, wherever you live, like you obviously so used to that area and then you realise it's, it's such a small place where you live, even though it is, maybe population-wise, it's, it's a big place. But yeah, no, Coventry was was interesting over the years. Do you know what I mean? It was, uh, obviously, it's quite a rough place. Um, you know, and it's slowly, maybe I'd say, got worse over the years. I don't know if more of it's just come to the forefront in terms of in terms of the media of how, how things go on. But like I said, I enjoyed my time growing up in Coventry. You know, there's, there's fantastic people there and, you know, there's a, a lot of good people that have come out of that, out of that place, and you know, it's it, it's definitely a city that supports their people that have that have come through, come through the place. So you know, they they're always vouching for for people from Coventry to to do well, regardless whether you move on to different pastures or not. And you know, it's it, like I said, it's a it's a fantastic city with, with with great spirit, and you know, obviously there is a lot of history there. But you know, as as everywhere, it's it's changing now, and you know, there's. There's a lot of lot of people coming from all over all over places all over the world from even in the UK to, to different things. So there's a there's a lot of uh, different cultures there now in in Coventry especially and 
you know, and, and a, a lot of different different people coming from different backgrounds. And, you know, I think obviously, yeah, like I said, it's it's definitely a it's definitely a diverse, diverse city now and, and it's got more like that over the over the years, which is which is great to see. Mate, you strike me as like a very confident, you're confident in, in, in yourself. You're, you're comfortable with yourself. Were you, um, when you were growing up, were you like a, a, a good kid? Or did you, you seem like you have a bit of edge about you. <laughs> no, me, I'm, to be fair, I'm quite, I'm a quiet person. I just like to keep myself to myself. Um, never got I caught, you mean? Yeah, yeah, never got caught. But yeah, no, like, like I said, I, I, obviously I grew up with different people that took, took different paths and, you know, I still speak to them people to this day, and, and like I said, you know, people obviously show me the show me respect, and, and and they back me, and and they support me. Then then I support them regardless of of what they're going through. And, and like I said, I'm I'm always a a believer in that. There's people obviously they've, they've took different paths, but you know, you, you never know what their backstory is to, as to why they they've taken that. And and a lot of people don't necessarily they always obviously have an option, but their options are very limited in that sense and and they can obviously only see that one option in, in, in the way that they have to go and you know thankfully for me I, like I said I, I had good people around me I was surrounded by good people and and regardless of, of what they were doing they would they knew what my what I wanted to do and what my future perceivedly held at, at, at that time obviously now when I look back on it but um yeah, they obviously knew the direction I wanted to go in and, and they saw my talent and, and ability that, that I could make it. And, you know, like I said, when, when one of you make it from them kind of areas, you, you all kind of make it and, and people support you to, to the hill. And, and for me, like I said, I, w- I was a quiet person growing up and, you know, I did like to, I kept myself to myself, but, you know, I, I always had confidence in, in myself to, to achieve something. And, and, you know, I think if, if you speak to people that are around me and, and people that I grew up with, you know, I think my mental strength was always was always massive for me in terms of never letting setbacks get to me. And, and I was so focused on what I wanted to achieve and what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be in five, ten years time or whatever that might have been. And, you know, I worked ever so hard to, to get to that. And, you know, when you look at it now, that's what people don't see is is the things that you have to sacrifice from from such a young age. And when people are out on the, the Friday, Saturday nights or whatever you're doing and you're going to bed early and then you're waking up at six, seven o'clock, wherever it is, going to the gym, then you're going to the training pitch then you're going wherever and then you're going back to the gym later on. And then you obviously, you've had your training and I would always go back to the gym later on at night with, with my own friends or, or wherever it might be and people are out there drinking. Like, I didn't drink alcohol until I was 20 years old. Like, I never, that was my first taste of alcohol and you know, I I just knew that there was there were certain sacrifices within my life that I had to take to to achieve what I needed to achieve. Because you know, there's certain people that obviously they've got that God-given talent where you know their their ability can take them wherever. But there's there's people out there that have the ability, but you know, they also have to have that that character and that mindset to to push themselves because the ability can only take them so far. And I think you know, over the years, you you you'll probably see so many talented individuals and ability, but they just never made the grade because they didn't have the ethics and the work ethics to, to match that. And they thought that their ability could, could take on further than it was. And, you know, there's only certain people in this world and within this game that, that can only, that can only do that, you know? So yeah, for me, like, it, like I said, I was, I was quiet. I was always confident within myself, especially when it came to, came to sports. And, and that was the way I was raised coming from a, from a sporting family, you know, it was, it was always the win pretty much in, in whatever you've done and, and 
to be the best that you can be in in whatever whatever you put your mind to, and, and you know that's the way I kind of just went with it. You know, it's uh, fascinating because I had a similar conversation with uh, Jordan's cousin Elliot, yeah, um, who is a GB eight hundred meter runner, and yeah. he he's from a I'd say underprivileged background in terms of social economic. Um, but yeah. not not family like he's I mean the guy's rich in family it was beautiful to be exposed to what he that wealth that he had there but he mentioned yeah. something similar about that he always had that mindset to do something different to the life that may have taken him on a different path but interestingly he said about having his having individuals that were around him that believed in him exactly the same as you to nurture yeah. that potential who um specifically within your within your sort of childhood could you think of that that you can sort of attribute that support to help you with your potential? Like I said, I, I had great family around me. Um, obviously, my mum, you know, my granddad was the first one to take me to football. You know, my dad was boxing, you know, he, he took me to the boxing. Obviously, I didn't, obviously, my mum and dad were, were separated. So, you know, obviously, I, I live with my mum, live with my nan and granddad on, on a, uh, for, for a few years as well. Um, Separately, but like I said, my granddad was the first one to take me to football. My dad was boxing, so you know, I, I am always a firm believer that I can take from other people's experiences, even though I've not experienced certain things. So I can learn from different people. So my dad went through certain situations and things to to get where he is today and, and what he's been through. So I can, even though that personally didn't happen to me, I feel like I've learned from that and situations that say my granddad would have been in my mom and whatever you know, and and I think. I can delve into into their history and their past, and and that can make me a better person, not just the person as a as a footballer, but as a human being. And I can take different aspects on on how I want to be as Cyrus the individual, Cyrus the human being, not Cyrus the footballer. And and that's what I think people always forget within when you're in the sporting industry, they just see you as this, not a money maker or whatever you how you want to perceive it, but you know you're you're just an item to people really. They don't see you as a as a human, and I think they don't see you as what goes off goes on off the field. You know, not many people are interested in 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 that side of, of footballers and, and what they have to what they've been through, or even people in any kind of sport and or in the, the famous <clears throat> world. However you wanna however you wanna see it, and like I said, I've, I've always had good friends around me. You know, the the same friends that I pretty much got with now, I still have around me. You know, and and they've always been by my side they've always they've always come to the games they've always supported me you know and so you know for, for me like like I said brother sister nan granddad aunties uncles whoever it might have been cousins you know I've got a massive family and you know like I said all of them are always always watching out for me always looking out for me and always have my best interest and you know, I think my mum and granddad for years and years and years didn't miss a game till till obviously they started getting a bit older you know obviously my granddad's obviously old you know he, he was there home and away every game you know what I mean whether it was all the way down to Bournemouth or wherever it was, to Newcastle, wherever it would have been, you know, they, they were there. And, and you know, that's it, that's great to see when, when you're going to games and I know obviously you've got thousands and thousands of fans there, but, you know, to, to see your family and friends there come to support, you know, it, it means a lot in it. You know, it gives you that added extra motivation, especially as well if your mates are coming. Do you know what I mean? They might banter you off if you have a bad game and, and pull you up. So, yeah, like I said, it's I always think, you know, it, it definitely does start from the, the people that you surround yourself with and, You've got to make sure they're the right people for you, and 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 like I said, they have your best interests at heart. You know, I think that was definitely massive for me. So, granddad took you to football. What age was that? Five. Something just it was just a common, the path or whatever you want to call it, and um, opposite 
opposite where they live. And um, there was just there was a team training, and I was just messing around with with my granddad, and then they obviously put me over there, and it was they were the they were age group above. And I was like, I can obviously just join in. At the time, didn't have any football boots. You know, I was just in some grubby trainers. And um, they tried to obviously stick me in goal. But even though I've never played in the football team, I just thought, I knew, I, obviously it's bad, but I knew I was better than them at the time. Do you know what I mean? And, and in that sense. Um, and then I eventually managed to go out, get out of goal and, and show them what I'm capable of. And I, and I always remember there was, obviously you had like the, obviously they were like the stars of the team at that point. You know, and I remember them trying to banter me and like obviously trying to hammer me about obviously my trainers and, and stuff because I didn't have any boots, couldn't afford boots at that time. And so, yeah, I remember that stuck out vividly, but that used to kind of drive me on. Like that stuff used to, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to show you wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to prove you right. Do you know what I mean? And them kind of little moments, I just think always shape you in throughout your, your time. And even if that had a negative effect, the type of person I am, I always think that I can learn from it. And that's what people understand. Oh, yeah, if something bad happens to you, blah, blah, like, maybe you might crumble a bit, but, you know, you're going to bounce back at some point, whether that's a month, week, two days, three days, four days, a year later. Do you know what I mean? At some point, if you carry on and you stick to your principles, I'm a firm believer that, you know, it will happen. And it's not necessarily going to happen right at that moment that you want it to, but it will happen when it's meant to happen. And, you know, like I said, thankfully, I am where I am today and, it's time and you know at this age I'm I'm not going to change the way I am really for for anyone so you know I stick to what I believe and I think works for me and you know I may be a bit stubborn in that sense but like I said I'm always willing to learn and listen to other individuals and, and I think that's what makes it work for me you know I, I said obviously I am stubborn but you know I take on information and things that other people say and I listen to them and I have an open ear but and then at the end of the day, I'm, I'm grown enough and I'm old enough and I'm wise enough to know what I need and what I want to, to make me the better person or better player or whatever I need to, 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 to be the best person that I can be. And, you know, and that's what it is at the end of the day. You've, you've got to be the best version of yourself and, you, you know, you, you have to do what it takes. And, you know, football is a team game, but at the same time, it's, it's very individual. You know, a lot of people are looking out for themselves and from right down from the owners to the players, you know, it's, it's it's simple as that. Obviously, everyone everyone's, everyone's jobs on the line. Really, at the end of the day, you know, as much as a team game, but you know, once you you have that chemistry and it clicks, you know, it's it's about being sometimes in the right place at the right time. And you know, if you if you can find that, in especially within within sport, I think, in you know, managers that love you in, in a team where you know they they're bringing the best out of you. You know, you you've got to make the most of it because you know that that can definitely set you on on, on the right path. You you say that you weren't necessarily want to, I mean, you've got talent, absolutely. But you said that you, you, there's a lot of hard work and you know, your, your values and standards were, were fairly straight, which is another reason why you got to where you are. I mean, you're playing like really, really good level football. Um, so, but were you one of those annoying, annoyingly talented people that could just pick up a sport and just be good at it? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, yeah, I was good at a lot of sports, to be fair, just, it was, everything was sport. Like I said, I come from a sporty family. Do you know what I mean? Like my sisters and brother, dad, mum, granddad, they're all good at sports, you know? And it was just one of them. I just, yeah, for some reason, it, it kind of just came came naturally to me. And, you know, it was, you know, there was obviously three main sports. Obviously, I used to play. It was obviously football and boxing. And, and I used to do athletics as well. And, 
you know, and then the older you get, the more just everything starts clashing on the same days. And, you know, you, you had to make a, had to make a choice. And, you know, I think, thankfully, I think I chose the right one in the end. <laughs> so what was it about football that was the reason why you made the choice? Did you just love it more than the others? I mean, you're a good looking lad. I mean, you wouldn't have wanted to get it in the face for the rest of your life, would you? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I fancy taking too many punches. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, boxing. I used to love boxing, to be fair. Um, actually, like I said, yeah, boxing was was very good. And, and like I said, I'm coming from a, a boxing family, really. You know, obviously all my uncles were all done boxing. You know, a lot of them went to the ABA finals and won it and, and different things. But, you know, for, for some reason, football, yeah, just that was the, the main thing. And for me, really, you know, that's what I loved. And, you know, obviously football at that time was a lot more, was a lot more out there and it was easy, more accessible rather than, than boxing. You know, you didn't see too much boxing on, on the TV. And obviously, like, it's, it's not a regular thing, whereas football is, you know, like the, in the Saturday, Saturday, or, you know, you're buzzing to stay up on the on the Saturday night for the match of the day or wake up early on the Sunday morning to catch match of the day. You know, and, I, and then, you know, for me, like, I, obviously, I was a, an Arsenal fan. Oh, I Growing it. up, really, yeah. Think? It was just, yeah, obviously, my, obviously, growing up, it was... Was Vieira, 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 yeah, it was. <laughs> well, I kind of, I don't really watch, I don't really have team support now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I grew up obviously watching Coventry, and then, but Arsenal for me was was the team, you know. And obviously Vieira and Omri and, and people like that, you know. I just they kind of made me fall in love with the game. Really, I think. How can you? How can you not the watch them? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there was there was incredible back then, and but I think even then there were so many so many good teams, and you know, I think I was lucky enough to to be in Cove Academy and, you know, so you get two free tickets for every home game. And, and at the time, they was in the Premier League. So I was able to watch Premier League matches. And, and, you know, it was just obviously fantastic to see, like, obviously so many, so many good players. And and then even then, you used to be in, like, the soccer academies or whatever they used to call them back then, uh, the the camps they do now. And you, they used to get free tickets then. So they obviously would go to the training on the Saturday morning and they'd take you on a, the coach to... To Highfield Road, and you know they were they were fantastic moments growing up, and you know sitting there in the in the in the, in the terraces and, and watching the game, you you kind of can picture yourself and vision yourself playing at that standard and coming out in front of the fans, and you know even when you're younger, you're looking at the player that plays in your position and as to what you can do and what they're doing and what you think you can do better than him, and you can then just start to for me anyway, I used to just picture myself, you know. At the time, end up being the Rico Arena, you know. So coming out into into the Rico Arena and, and playing in that position, and and I knew that I could I could do the job. Do you know what I mean? It was just how could I get myself to that level? How could I get myself into into the pictures and the manager's thoughts and on, onto playing? You know, thankfully, obviously, like I went on to make 100, 119, 120 appearances for my my boyhood club in in a short space of time, and you know, and I for me, I from the first first time I got a game you know I, I never looked back and you know I think I've gone from from strength to strength and like I said at times there's been there's been difficult periods and I think that's just normal in life for, for everyone to have difficult periods and you know it's like I said it's how, it's how you how you come over them and, and how you ride that difficult period and and when <clears throat> when things are going good you know it's never to get ahead of yourself and you know it's obviously cliche but then when when things are getting bad you know never get never get too down and, and let it get to you and you know, I've, I think I've always stayed level-headed, and like I said, there's people around me that, that you can always go and ask, and I don't think anyone will have a bad bad word to say about me in, in in terms of that, especially when it comes to comes to sport. 
It's interesting because I was speaking, I did a, a, a recording with Anthony Gogo and he had boxing and yeah. football and he's anointly talented as well. And he chose boxing, obviously, over yeah. football. You know, he, he reckons he was going to play for Man United, but we said, you know, yeah. <laughs> you can never, never not prove it now. Exactly, uh, he's great, exactly, great, yeah. great guy. I mean, he's a wrestler now. Well, this is uh, random. So, really? Uh, yeah, that's what he's yeah. doing. Did yeah. he, he retired from boxing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, got a, he's got an unbelievable story. He's an incredible individual. Yeah. Youth football is fairly ruthless. You know, the, the attrition rate, the retain and release at 16 on professional contracts the likelihood is you'll be released. You know, that, that's the probability yeah. um, when it comes to academy football. You, had, you just said then that you had a fair confidence in your ability and you could visualise yourself playing professional football. But did it ever cross your mind that you... Did you ever have any doubt in that? Yeah, I think for me, I was slightly naive. And I think that kind of helped me because in terms of people, like I said, my family didn't know too much about the industry. So I never had a certain picture of how things went. Obviously, over the years, you kind of start to slowly see a picture. But I think there was other kids there that their parents knew too much. And it affected the way that they thought. So I was just thought, yeah, I was cool. I'm sweet. Either way, you release me. I always thought I'll get somewhere. That was my whole thinking. And obviously, over the years, it was now they've changed it. But back then, it was like you had to, it was year to year. So end of season, oh, we're going to keep you or we're going to get rid of you. Do you know what I mean? And you know, I kept changing position and it was just like, it was annoying because you weren't really, like one year I'm a striker, you know, I'd get top goal scorer and then next minute I'm right wing, got top goal scorer again, but now I'm centre mid, I was top scorer again and I'm like, come on man, I'm, which, what position do you want to play me? And then all of a sudden now I'm slowly working my way back <laughs> as all the fans kind of do really. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking I was only young there. Um, but yeah, like, um, Ended up going to like then centre back and then yeah, but and I nearly back in goal where you started when you were five, eh? Oh, I know, yeah, Jeez, uh, that would have been bad for me. Um, say that, um, but yeah, like you end up going back to the centre back, and I just remember obviously at the time it was, um, you know, you, you get to I think it's 14 back then, I don't know if it's the same now, but that was the first time they could give you a two year contract. And I remember boys like halfway through the season were signing the two-year contract. And I'm thinking, well, where's mine kind of thing? Because I'm thinking, well, I know that I'm playing better than them. Like, I know that I'm better than them. I've, I'm proving it with the goals that I'm scoring and, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if I was just thinking, oh, well, maybe they're just going to do it at the end of the season. Then I ended up signing the two-year. And then you get to, I don't know, I managed to, and I was just thought to myself, like, at that time, I did get a bit upset, like, and then I was like, oh, how come kind of like, why aren't, they, why aren't they picking me? But like I said, I was still a bit naive. But at the same time, it's, it means so much to you that you, you want it and you're thinking, oh, why is everyone else like? And you really obviously shouldn't be thinking that way. But, you know, and then it kind of obviously then flips on its head. Do you know what I mean? And then when it got to, when we got to the 15, I ended up signing my scholarship before anyone else, you know, and then I ended up going on to, to make my debut before anyone else. And, and the people that signed them, them two-year contracts, you know, I don't even know if any of them actually still play. Like, maybe one. One of them plays, like, in the semi-professionally, you know, and it's it's obviously crazy. Like I said, you, you just never know. Like, that moment in time, you know, if I didn't get that two-year contract at that time, and if I got the two-year contract at that time, you know, it, it might have been a different outcome. So, you know, like I said, I'm a firm believer. It all happens for a reason, and, 
you know, like I said, I've I never looked back on them moments. I didn't I didn't take it for granted. I knew the the position that I'm in, and I knew how I grew up. Like I said, it was underprivileged, and I think that's what kind of drove me on. And I always think now that a lot of these, if you look at a lot of people now within the sporting industry and people that made it, you know, they're they're coming from maybe the underprivileged background, so they might have that more hunger than than people that grow up privileged. And that, that's not knocking people that are privileged because you know there is some that definitely still do have that determination that hunger because they kind of maybe have the the parents that are that are obsessive and you know are so used to winning that they kind of want to prove their parents right and they want to do you know what I mean it's you know and they, you have the parents that might just think well we've we've gave you everything blah 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 you know it's you know, it's, it's it's crazy and, and like I said you everyone has a story you know I, I would firmly used to be in a camp oh yeah people that grew up posh and bricked up they've got no hunger but they do like you you meet people along the way and and then you you dive into their story and and like I said everyone has their background and everyone has their reason as to why they why they do things and I think that's what as a as a as a as people as as human beings we're too quick to dismiss people for for what we see at the forefront you know we never actually see truly what's going on behind the smokescreen say for example or what's going on or what's happened previously in the last month or weeks or previous years you know, and so, yeah, I definitely just think like, you know, the, the way you were raised and definitely shapes the, the, the human being and, and, and your career, definitely. It's, it's a really interesting topic because I've got a friend who's one of the academy coaches at Arsenal. And okay, yeah. I, I spoke with him at length about uh, retaining release. You know, and it's interesting what you say about um, it's almost ignorance is bliss when you were growing up because you didn't realise, you, you knew you wanted to be a professional football player, but you didn't realise the, the the so what's if you didn't make it. And there's a lot yeah. of kids now, I think, you know, as the money's increased and the, the, the glitz and glam of the game, certainly from a fan's perception, has, has grown yeah. like exponentially. The pressure on those kids to make it, for, probably from their families, like you say, because they come from there's a vast majority that will come from underprivileged uh, backgrounds to be, you know, mum and dad might well think that they're going to be the next Ronaldo and, yeah. you know, get that, that two-year extension, but then don't get signed when they're 16. And what yeah. there's a lot of pressure on the clubs now to, to provide provision for the kids who've been in academies for like 10 years. I think you know, it's eight years for the kids now. Because the, it's, okay. it's almost like the drop-off, your hero to zero, 16, see you later. No taxi in the morning yeah. picking you up for training. No Arsenal strip or whatever club you play for. You know, it's it's like now you're back to everybody else's. You know, that stardom's not going to happen. Certainly, that's the yeah. perception. It's really challenging yeah. for the kids now. Yeah. See the kids obviously now. Obviously, like I said, you have all the the social media stuff, and they've all got the, the state of the art facilities, and you know, there's this like you like you just touched on. Like everyone has this perception that they're going to make it, but when you, you look at the odds and the, the slim reality of it is that not everyone is going to make it. The, it's like 90, 96% or something don't get signed. 0.001% or something like that, isn't it, that make it. But uh, yeah, because then only. after that, the, the, the percentage that do get signed, yeah. that are in, stay within football in the next five years of their professional career, it ends yeah. up being like 0.01% or something yeah. like ridiculous. They, 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 they just stop playing football. They're just not involved in it at all. Yeah, because they all know so much about the game and the industry now because it's it's so obviously glorified in, in the public. Whereas obviously back then you you didn't, obviously, like I said, we didn't know too much about it. You'd have the odd people that know someone that had already been through it and 
and maybe had points from that. But now where you turn, you you know everything. You've got the insights into what the academies, what they're doing day in day out. You know they've they've got it on their iPads. They've they've got it on their on their phones. They're able to watch back their sessions and and whatever. And you know I think at, at times it's quite a bit of an information overload for especially for young kids. And you know I've I've been there. I've seen my little cousins in in, in the academies and you know like I, I think when I was watching it they probably had more ability than the others but because they were like I said it turns back to the kids that were more selfish were the ones that were the ones getting the thing because they could run through everyone whereas they were actually playing good football and but they were playing more as a team game and you know it's it's the fact is that then it's it then becomes to it becomes hard for them kids because then they're now seeing so much attention pinpointed to one or two players and and automatically managers and coaches are kind of all want to be the the one that brought that player through. Do you know what I mean? They they're the one. Oh, I, oh when it comes ten years down, oh yeah, I I, I picked him up. Oh, I knew he was going to be a star. But did you? Do you know what I mean? There's not many kids where you go. Oh, like you know, if you've seen a Messi or Ronaldo, like how many of them come around every now and then? And it's always obviously as soon as someone does well, that's when people come out of the woodworks. And it, it's so true. Do you know what I mean? There's people that you don't hear from from years and years and. And then all of a sudden, something boom, amazing happens, or you do something. It's like, oh yeah, I remember him. I, I went to school with him. Or and I'm thinking like, it happened to me so many times. Oh, when I played, oh yeah, it's mad. I used to sit in. I used to go to school with this lad, and and I'm thinking, I've never spoke to you in my life. But all of a sudden now, it's like, do you know what I mean? And there's people that used to badmouth you. There's certain situations. It happened so many times. It was even like coaches. Do you know what I mean? They as soon as you start, oh yeah, blah blah, and they they mention you and they message you and. And you're like, I'm I'm a bit of I remember everything that happened. Like and like I said, I touched on it earlier, like that stuff motivates me. But I always remember when someone done me wrong or someone done me dirty. Do I mean it, it, it sticks in the back of my head and, and I always remember it and then like I said, when it all of a sudden you start doing well, everyone all of a sudden changed their story. But I'm thinking, Oh, I remember five years ago you were saying this about me and blah blah but you know, when when you've made that your lowest point like, where were you? Do you know what I mean? I wasn't hearing from you. But then as soon as I'm at the highest point, oh, now everyone wants to come out and play and they want to be there. Not leech, like kind of leech off you and, and oh, they've all got they've all got something to say. But And, and that's, for me, like, I learned it quick. Like, when you're, say, maybe at your lowest point in your career, when things aren't going right or going bad, that's when I recognise who had my back and who didn't. And I'll always forever be grateful to them people. And, and, and you know, I'm... I'm maybe very generous towards people and kind, but you know I'm I'm generous and kind towards them people that have always always been there for me. Do you know what I mean? Through through good times and the bad times, and you know over the course of the years in your life and and different situations, you you really realise who who is actually riding for you. And, and like I said, I've, I've I've kind of been lucky in that sense that I haven't had too many too many people like that that have that have obviously had bad intentions for me. And you know, um, like I said, I've, maybe I'm a bit blessed in, in that sense but you know I feel like I put it out there in the universe of what I wanted and you know I'm, I'm a big believer in that and you know I think people don't understand how how vital the, the, the brain is and, and how you perceive things to, to set up your attitude even just towards the start of the day or wherever that might be and like I said I already touched on it I was always picturing me playing on that pitch and what I could do and, and what I can what I can achieve and you know I think that played a massive role for me definitely. Can you describe the the time when 
you were told that you're going to sign your professional contract. Like, how did it happen? And can you remember how it felt? And what did you do? Well, I always, people would just, they would, they would get onto me for this kind of stuff. Because when someone gives me a gift or they do something, um, that doesn't really bother me. <laughs> I don't get too excited. So it was kind of the same when I signed a pro. Like, I went hey, in there. Sorry, I'm laughing, yeah, because yeah. I'm, like, I'm like that as well. Oh, like, man. I'm like, people, okay, cool, yeah. <laughs> I think people are more excited to give me the gift than I'm to receive it sometimes and they always hammer me about it but it was the same when I got when I got the pro I, obviously I kind of do you know what I mean I, I was 99% certain I was I was going to get one because I made my debut at 17 that year I went on loan to two teams one didn't go very well the other one went amazing and then I got recalled so I was kind of like yeah you know what it's, maybe it's going to happen so when I went in there I was kind of already thinking I've, I've got one and I was one of the last ones to go in and it, it's mad because obviously you're all sitting down in the in the hallway so like, do they do that with the whole squad like the, the squad yeah. you all sit out so like today's yeah, the retaining so, release day yeah yeah so everyone so obviously some lads come out day. crying and a couple lads some lads happy. come out crying yeah so I just remember you're sitting in at the lodge are you in alphabetical order it wasn't even alphabetical order I don't think it was just yeah, they would have done if they were just calling people up by random. But I was one of the last ones, and I remember lads going up and they come down the stairs. But there was a door to the right, so obviously one of the coaches would grab them and pull them out if obviously it's gone wild or gone bad to see what the decision was. And obviously you're seeing lads coming down crying or whatever. And I'm full on X Factor. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, this is mad. Like, I'm just thinking, like, when's mine coming up? And then obviously, yeah, I went up and then yeah, I think it was eighty, eighty Boothoid at the time. I think it was. AD Boothoid gave me my debut. And then, uh, is it AD Boothoid? Yeah, I'm sure it was AD Boothoid. Yeah, it was AD Boothoid. And then, yeah, he, obviously he's in there with the academy manager. And like I said, I was really kind of confident that I was I was going to get one. But, and then obviously then, you know, that's when the next, once I got it, it was just like, yeah, cool. Mum and I, and said, oh, how did it go? And I'm like, yeah, I got one. Like, they're more excited than me. And I'm just like, but in my mind, it was like, okay, now, what do we do next? What was the next thing? And I'm telling you, every I didn't go on holiday that year. Like everyone went away. They went to Malia. They went to Thingy. I did not go. Me, Jacob, a lad that I grew up with, he was in the same academy team. Three of us went to the gym. We was in the gym every day, six, seven o'clock in the morning, and then we go back again later on. Then we'd be at. Uh, I can't even name the park. What was the name of the park? We'd go to Alan Higgs. We'd go wherever we could to to play football and you know and then I knew that I can't and I came back and then I'd go I'd go on my own to the common where it all started I used to go there that was I used to do all my running I'd go there and I'd, I'd buy my court I'd buy the balls and I'd buy the cones and I'd set up whatever I needed to do do the running I'd do my football stuff whatever it was and you know and then that pre-season I, I'm not I'm not first choice right back you know I'm coming back at 18 obviously made my debut and it was just like okay cool you're kind of in the tension like yeah I, I know that I can break into the first team, but, you know, at, at that time, the reality is that, you know, you probably might send you on loan to, to go out. But the way Coventry was set up there with the financial situation, you were, and a lot of players left, it was more that they were relying on the youth team. And, you know, I come back and, you know, I won the, the yo-yo test, whatever they call it nowadays. Um, I come back fit. And then first game, pre-season, I was the only one. I played 90 minutes, like, I come back in such a good shape that all of a sudden now I'm in the manager's eye and he's looking at me and then I'm thinking, oh, but I'm still at the time first, second choice, sorry, even third choice potentially. 
depending on on the personnel that he maybe could see playing a right back and then it's mad within football opportunities come by whether that's people getting sent off whether that's people getting injured whether that's people getting sold you've, you've got to be ready and, and the person ahead of me got injured and you know that was that was my opportunity to, to come in and, and do well and, and to do what I always pictured myself doing and you know I managed to make my debut first game of the season against Leicester and then you know, I think I went on to play 44 games that season and then I, I got injured, I'd done my knee and then was out for ages. But even then when I'd done my knee, it was my mentality was to, to just come back strong and quick and they, they told me I'm out for 13 months. I came back in nine. So luckily everything, all the rehab went, everything went smooth. It was plain sailing. You know, they, they signed me off and, but my mentality to get through that was what, is what got me back. You know, because I could have easily sat there and felt sorry for myself where I was straight-legged in a brace for six weeks, not able to move, not able to do nothing. But, you know, I did everything possible that I could do. And I just went back to what I knew best is, okay, all right, cool. I'm back in the gym morning, night, morning, night, morning, night, Monday to Sunday. No days off. I was just thinking, you know, because this is my opportunity to come back and and come back with a bang. But... In that sense as well, I was always looking, oh, what was the next step for me at that time? And I, we got relegated. And at that time, I was like, oh, you know, I've tasted the championship. Do you, do you want to go to League One, really? Like, you need to come back and show that, like, you know, because obviously people are going to write you off. It was my second knee injury at the time. You know, I've done it first when I was 15 and then I've done it again when I was 18, you know, four years later. What did you do to your knee? Tore the meniscus in, in the lateral oh. side. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like, oh, how are you going to come back from this? And and that's what drove me on as well, is people were writing me off before. And I'm thinking, I'm only 18, like, surely that. But it was naive for me, because it can happen to people. You People don't come back from injuries. They don't come back the same player. But, you know, like I said, I, I looked after myself well, and I, I put myself in a position to say, well, I knew that my body wouldn't let me down. And I think that's what I've done over the years. If you look at my injury records, there's no, I haven't had many injuries, you know, such word. I've never tore a muscle. Do you know what I mean? I've, the only injury that I had is my is my knee injury, really. I had one ankle injury, which kept me out for two months. But the, even then, I came back quicker because my whole process was to come back quicker. And I'd done everything possible for me to be able to come back quicker. So when I come back, my body wouldn't let me down. And I think that's what, for me, has been, over the years, the biggest thing that I've learned is to... My best investment has been me investing in myself. So you're going to be at the foot cover I have my own physios, my trainers, and I think, oh, yeah, it's, it's, you're spending money. But in my head, I know I'm spending maybe a lot of money on on these things, but the returns are amazing for me. You're going to pay your dividends for that. You, it's like anything. If you invest in yourself, at the same time, when you look at football clubs, they don't have enough people to, they don't have enough staff to cater for your needs, really, in that sense, to, to, to get you ready for the game in terms of physios. The physios have a lot of players to deal with. And you know what I mean? They can't have a physio for every player because it's not going to work business-wise. And it's the same for sports science or whatever. So every little extra you have to do to to get it your, to do it for yourself, to be the best, is, is that's the biggest thing. And I mean, for any young kid out there and any person striving to be something, even, I mean, even if it's, like you said, you they may not have the money, but find someone within a budget that you can work with, because them little one percenters is what makes 
is what gives you what makes your career, what gives you longevity. What, do you know what I mean? It's it's what allows you to to perform at your at your best, um, and that's the biggest thing. You want to be able to go out there on a Saturday because every game you never feel 100%. There's not one footballer in this world that goes out there and they feel 100% every game. But you want to be able to make sure that if you're playing at 85% of your body time, you know that your body's not going to let you down. You know that you can get through it. And, and you look at that other person that you're playing against and you know that, you know, I'm fitter than him, I'm stronger than him, I'm blah, blah, blah. And, and, and mentally, you know that you can keep going and you can pe- keep pushing through it because they might break and they might, in terms of mentally, they might break down and they think, oh, fucking hell, this guy's still going. Do you know what I mean? And that was, it's always been a thing for me. And I, and I think over the years, that's, that's been the best thing to, is, is to invest in myself. And, I, and like I said, I think I've, it's, it's paid wonders for me. And, you know, and, and like I said, you look, I've been available for every training session for the last, I don't know how many years. So, you know, and to play, you have to be available. Simple as, and, and, and that's the end of it today. And then once you get the opportunity, every game is an opportunity. Every training session is an opportunity for me. And, you know, like I said, you have to, I always approach that in, in the way that I train is, it is, that's my opportunity to show kids what I can do for the Saturday to put myself in the manager's, in the manager's force. And some days, don't get me wrong, they're absolutely useless in training. But it just doesn't, nothing comes off and you're just like, oh, you know what, forget it. But it's always, okay, the next day, it has to be right. Or the next part of that session, to just do something that comes off, do you know what I mean? But it's, that's, like I said, it's the learning curves and it's the mistakes. It's, and a lot of people, you can either learn from it or you can, or you can think, you know, it's just, like I said, you've always got that option, haven't you? And you've just got to choose, choose the right one. And like I said, it doesn't always pay off, but it's what it is. You know, I just keep going. There seems to be like a bit of a trend with regards to, and it's not surprising to people that are successful, no matter what field they're in, and the people that I've spoken to always talk about like marginal gains. They always talk about investment in themselves, the having like a, a direction, a sense of purpose, and understanding that what you, you you just have to keep putting one foot in front of another and be relentless in that pursuit for for the goal for your goal. And I think certainly with football, especially almost especially with football, everyone's an armchair manager. And it's like, oh, I can't believe. And because of the money as well, it distorts that view. And it kind of backs up what you were saying about everyone's got a story and everyone's got like, there's context behind everybody. And so when it comes to your professional uh, professional career, sometimes you just might take the field with no intention of not having a good game at all, but you just don't. Yeah. And that's just the way that it is. You can't, Like you say, you cannot perform every single day at peak performance. It just isn't possible. You try to, yeah. but it's just not. And it's a really interesting, um, really interesting point that you made about that because you'll have, you'll hear fans going, "Oh, what do they, what do they paying for?" Or how's he got, how's he got in that team? Or I could do better, blah blah blah. But all right, maybe, maybe match day, maybe, but not longevity over your career. They don't see the work yeah. and the and the effort that goes in behind performance. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like you said, everyone is an armchair manager, but. You know, even players, you do the same thing when you sit in the stands. I don't know if it was just a thing, but you, you see the game completely different. And don't get me wrong, it's like, but when you're on there, it is so much quicker, so much faster than than what you're seeing from the stand. It looks like there's so much space, but believe me, there's not because you're in this, this era now where pretty much everyone on that pitch is an athlete. So believe me, when a gap looks big, it's not big because they can cover that ground within a matter of seconds. Like... 
it, and, and yeah, it's crazy. Like, and you don't go out into the game bad intentions to, to play bad, but it, it just happens for some reason. And, and when sometimes when you're in that little funk and you're in that place where you, you can't get out of it, it's just no matter what you try and do. And then you, you try harder, you try harder and you try harder. And it just keeps, it just doesn't work. And you're just like, oh, you know what you're looking for. Because the fans are quite supportive of that as well, aren't they? You know, if you're having a bad game, they they obviously help you become better, not. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like they, they almost but compound then, the issues. Yeah. And then they just, they jump on you. Oh, you're this, you're that. And it's like, all right, I understand everyone's got an opinion. And, and this is always the thing. Like you, if you respond back to a fan, they're like, oh, um, oh yeah, why, why are you saying something back to a fan and it's like, oh, blah, blah, we're entitled to our opinion and blah, blah, blah. okay, yeah, cool, you, that's your opinion. But what you're saying is like, oh, fuck off, Christy, you're, you're this, you're that. All right, okay, that's what you think, that's an opinion or whatever, but where's the, where's the constructivism in that? Like, where, what, what, what have you actually told me that's going to help me there? It's not like, oh, okay, cool, oh, you know, I can respect you. They go, oh, you know what, Cyrus today, you know, I thought your crossing was rubbish. You know, I thought you could have done that better. And I'm going, you know, fair play. Because I know, like, you're a player. You know what you've done wrong. You're you know professional. what you've done right. You're a professional. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't need yeah, I don't need a fan to tell me what I've done wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. You might see the game in a different manner. And you might have seen something that may I may not have seen. But every footballer watches back their game after. You get your clips and you can see and you analyse it and you see what you've done wrong and what you could have better. But you know at them precise moments, they're going to stick out what you've done wrong. But then you're like, oh, you fucking, you're shit, you're this, you're that. And it's like, all right, well, what, what is that actually doing? I understand that you're angry, but not every day is going to be great. Yeah, like, we're not going to win every game. We're not going to... Yeah, and no, I think, I think that, sorry, I think the fans, the, yeah. the fans have got the right to be angry as well. I, and I'll finish what I'm going to say. Like, but yeah. to put context in this, the fans have got a right to be angry because they pay a lot of money to go and watch football. And, but the way yeah. that they see it is that, you get paid loads of money. You should be able to do that week in, week out. And that's cool. Okay, that, that, you yeah. know, that, that's your opinion. But when it gets to the point like um, with Tottenham a few years ago and you had um, Eric, Eric Dyer go into the stands because his family were getting abused because yeah. of something he did on... It's like, that, that's like... It's exactly... This, it's ridiculous. It's you join the line there. You should, you know, because... You don't take the pitch to lose. No. You take, you take the field to win. You're a winner. Like I said, like... But it's in any job. Do they perform every day in their job? No. Do you know what I mean? They're going some days and it, it just doesn't feel right for them. They, they they might wake up and they... We're the same. We're human beings. Some days you wake up, you feel amazing. Oh, yeah, this game's going to go well. Sometimes you then just have a gut feeling. Oh, today's going to be a bit... It's going to be a bit bad. But then you try and get out of it and it's like, okay, cool. And then like over the time, the hour comes closer to kickoff. That feeling starts to go. But then sometimes you're just like... There's days where you... Your body just physically, mentally, you're just drained and exhausted and it just doesn't work for you. And and then when it does start going bad and fans jump on your back and it's just like, do you know what I mean? It just, it just, it does weigh down on you sometimes. You, know, you want to go out there and you want to impress. That's what you're there for. At the end of the day, we're entertainers. Like, we're there to, we all want to win. And every footballer is a winner. They want to be a winner. And everyone's bad losers and sore losers. So you understand where they're coming from. But, but like I said, it's, the way sometimes people approach you, it has to it has to be different because it's just it doesn't like I said, there's certain people that can take it and there's certain people that can't accept it. But for me, like I, I can take it whatever, but there's there's certain things that I can't accept in the way that, that you say because there's no way that you're gonna to talk to me face to face like that. And fair enough if you do, 
So are we talking online? I mean, it's topical yeah, at the yeah. moment, isn't it? So we're talking because, like yeah. online stuff. But then, like, it's that whole thing, isn't it? Oh, they're in a crowd, so they think, oh, I can say what I want. I'm in a crowd. I'm, I'm hiding. You know, everyone's a brave man when there's a hundred of you. Do you know what I'm saying? But you know, it's. But why are you come? Why do you feel the need to 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 go over the steps? Like I said, there's there's certain ways that you can criticize, and then like you said, Eric Dyer goes to his family, and it's just like there's no need for that. Like as a as a human, as a person, surely you understand that that's not right. Because imagine that was your child or that was your family member. You're you're going to feel some type of way, and if we turn up to your work and start doing that, you're do you know what I mean? You're you're not going to enjoy it, and it's just like cool, you, you have the opinion of the game, like I said, and if you think, oh, he was crap at crossing today or his finishing was crap, that's fine. You you say that and just say, like, oh, you should have done, because everyone, like, yeah, like like I said, every footballer go, yeah, you know what, I was. But then when it just starts, it, it feels like personal where they're just like, you're, you're this person, you're that word, you're that, do you know what I mean? It's just, there's no need for that. Just just take your half an hour, cool down after the game and then and then approach, do you know what I mean? And just see it in a, di- in a different manner, but that's the way it is now. People are too quickly react. They want to react off their emotion and the way they're feeling at that time. And I understand football. The emotions are so high where fans, then players, they get to that point like where you're just riding that wave of emotion and and people live for that. And obviously that's why they're so hurt because that is their... I think in like in any in general, certain people have their purpose for what they their week consists of. Do you know what I mean? Like Monday to Friday, they're living for that Saturday, their three o'clock kickoff. That is what they enjoy. That's their life and that's what they know. So they can then obviously that emotion then obviously takes them over the point and it can become a bit not catastrophic or it's a bit of a harsh word to use, but it it their it emotions the people, Yeah, it oversteps the mark. And like I said, now everything gets glorified because of social media. It makes it worse because like Twitter, for example, you're reacting off your emotions. You tweet there and then. Instagram is a bit different because the way obviously everything's set up, the algorithms or whatever, but like Twitter, people tweet. You, know, you go through people's tweets, it's like, oh, you fucking... And then two minutes later, oh, what a, what a player, what a player he is, oh, blah, blah, blah. But five minutes, a minute ago, you were calling him every kind of word you could think of. I don't ever... Yeah. I don't get that anyway. I don't... No. Like, when it, like, I'm a big rugby fan. When England lost the yeah. final to South Africa... I never felt the need to get on Twitter straight away. Like my first thought was like I was annoyed, like annoyed, not because of the team, just annoyed that we'd lost. Yeah. I never went, oh, I need to get on Twitter to abuse some people. That was never like my my. And I don't, I I cannot. I'd love to speak to, genuinely speak with someone that has done that because I'd want to know why it happens because I can't I can't understand it. I don't get it. I genuinely don't get it. When they get pulled up on it, it's like, oh, why are you responding? But it's just like, oh, we should be allowed to respond. And you should be allowed to, to come back at them because you're, you're big enough to give it. So when it comes back at you and people come back, then don't try and, oh, like, they obviously then try and come away from it. And then, you know, there's been times where I've had people, and they're like, when certain stuff has happened within football, and then they've been outed, they've been caught. And they're going, oh, you know, it's, you know, I'm going through things. Oh, da, da, da. Okay, cool. But at the end of the day, you're going through things. So if you're going through things, or why are you having the need to then go and do the same to maybe that potential impact could have the same impact on someone else? So I'm like, all right, well, I understand that, but don't bring it to other people. Like, that's your issue that you're dealing with. So don't then try and use that as your escape card because if you was going through something, 
and your troubles, believe me, I've seen people go through it. They don't turn on other people and go, oh, start hammering every person because it's, that's what I mean. It's just crazy. Like that, but that's the easy cop-out for people now is, oh, but like I said, it's, it's hard because you don't know actually what they're going through. You might, they might be telling the truth, but I, I think when it comes to certain things is these, these people that when they get pulled upon it, it's the, the easy excuses for, oh, oh, yeah, like, you know, when I have too much drink, it's like, oh, I'm going through stuff, so I'm drinking loads of alcohol and, and you know, then I'm, I'm expressing the feelings towards you on the, on the pitch and it's like, you, you know what you're doing. Like, it, but it's just now you would have you would have carried on doing it if you didn't get caught. You it would have been the same outcome the, on the Tuesday or the Saturday whenever the next game is, and it's just like it just it, it like I said it doesn't make sense and it's and sometimes it's grown men they've got kids and you're just it baffles me because do you know do you know what I, I like the um obviously there's a there's a lot of talk um and and rightly so about online hate at the moment um standing up to racism and. And you know, basically, just people being dicks, like for yeah. like for no reason. And I, I, one of my, you know, it's been talked about is where the social media companies to get a profile, you should have to prove like passport details or or some identity, so you can't just create a fake it's, profile because then really. what that what that starts to do is hold people to account. So if yeah. if those comments are made, you've got that you know exactly who they are, rather than it just being John Smith that they just created this fake profile. I mean, there is ways of catching people, but the police don't have the time or a resource to go through every single, um, no. like, every single lead to be able to do that, which is a real shame. Doesn't lie in the big companies' pockets, does it? Do you know what no, I mean? No. Take you away from them. So, like I said, this world is it's selfish. Everyone's looking out for themselves. That's their best interest. It's, you know, the more traction that they gain. It's the same with, with press. The press negative headline and then you start reading the story and it has nothing to do with the headline it's because it brings back it brings the viewers it brings people in on, on clickbait you know what i mean it's ultimate clickbakers aren't they so do you know what i mean they they love it and it's just like i said if it's, it's simple all they have to do is just set up a verification process like how many times do you go onto the websites and, and different things when you're purchased you have to put in your verification to to even get to the stage so why can't twitter and that do that because all that happens is you they block that account, they make another account. In a matter of seconds, they go make an email address. And and it's just the same cycle. I mean, I don't know how much I don't know how much time they have on their hands to be able to do that. But mate, a pound just, deposit to set up a Twitter account, and when you finish it, you'll get your pound back. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You have to put your bank details in to yeah. you know, it's it's there's there's better ways. And I, I just think to be honest, but even you, know, like, it, you look at players the other week when they said about the European Super League. Like how much did the social media, all the big companies, they come out and they all had their, their voices. But and when it comes to the discrimination and, and racial stuff and diversity and whatever it is, you know, they're, they're very silent for a long amount of time because it can have a negative impact on them. But with the, when the Super League, all of a sudden it started affecting their pockets and um, potentially it's going to affect them, now their voices. And, and, and like I touched on it before, when everyone was... All of a sudden, when when stuff happened at the start, when people were taking a knee over the, the George Floyd stuff, you've got all these people now coming out about, oh, the racial and blah, blah, blah. Like, But it was all for their social media hype. You know, where are these people now? Two, a year, six months, wherever it might be down the line. You don't hear their voices. They, they put it up because that was the trend at that point. Oh, yeah, Black Lives Matter, BLM, oh, George Floyd, we stand. But you, you don't stand because when when it happens... Like I said, when it happens to certain people, where were you then? 
you weren't you're not touching on this subject every day every week or wherever it's like oh well that's the trend everyone's putting up a I don't even know what the thing was at that point. There's the George Floyd and it, mate, and it's 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 a bit of a joke that yeah. a subject like that becomes a social media trend, like a TikTok yeah. dance would do. It's ridiculous. Exactly. It is so yeah. ridiculous. It's not even funny. On that subject, where 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 should it be going? Like because you know, people have tried. Like you know, it's you have companies, uh, football clubs saying we're going to stop online hate. We're not gonna. We're gonna boycott a social media, which I think is a load of shite, to be honest. Yeah, like, exactly. That's not, not going to do anything. Yeah. Because the next next week they're back on social media again. You know, it's a good. Exactly. It's a good sort of um, offer gesture. And I, I I've done a lot of work it with with mental health in the Royal Marines, and yeah. people talk about um, mental health, and it's like we're raising awareness, and I'm like, that's cool, and what? So it's like saying that me and you are standing in the street and I go, Si, you know that house is on fire? And you go, oh yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? And I'm going to go, yeah, do you know those people inside are going to die? And you're like stood there with your arms crossed going, yeah, no, you're right, aren't they? I wonder where the fire brigade is waiting for the fire brigade to turn up, yeah? And we're going to, and then some more people come. We're going, oh, what's going on? There's a fire in that house. So we're raising awareness about this fire and people are going to die. But no one does anything about it because they're waiting for yeah. someone else to do something about it. Fire brigade turn up, people die and go, see, I told you it's going to happen. It's the same yeah. thing. Raising awareness to me is good, but it's, it it's, it's useless. It's no effect to it, it. When it happens, when you've, you've seen people that have committed suicide and all of a sudden now there's people, oh, look at this. Oh, I wish I responded to their text. Or, do you know what I mean? And there's all of a sudden, but then previous weeks when when there was then people where they had like, they were basically, it was a cry for help. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, obviously when you look back on it, you could see the cry for help. But if you were so close to that person, I believe that you would have maybe, well, you not, not picked up on it. Not necessarily. I don't believe that they always pick up on the signs, but <clears throat> you, there was a lot of people there that had to me, oh yeah, when they, they passed away, oh, everyone, oh, we're blah, blah, blah. They're, they were so kind. They were so this, but, you know, there was so many articles previous weeks to that where they were hammering them people. But then that, when it came to them passing away all of a sudden now, they're feeling bad. They know that, but then they're trying to cover up that. But it's like, keep that same energy you had a few weeks ago. If that was you, if that's what you stand by, that's what you stand by. And it's just, it, the amount of times it happens, it's crazy. So people need to start thinking before, that's what I'm saying. They need to start thinking before they say stuff and and what they do, because you don't actually know what's going on with, in people's lives, and especially now with the whole lockdown and stuff. And it's you see, like I think so many people are suffering because you you're you're limited to what you can do, and especially over the course of the the winter lockdown. Like the last time, it was amazing. Do you know what I mean? It was fresh. The sun was out. Everyone was loving life. Do you know what I mean? They could you could go and do whatever. But then there's there's people that they wouldn't go out do you know what I mean and you could mm. see why they, they had no company they couldn't see people because like when you, I think certain people get to maybe a certain age and like I said people live for certain reasons that's what they picture in their minds so what is the next thing that they're living for whether that you're living for your weekend a lot of people do that do you know what I mean they're Monday to Friday they're, they're living for their weekend or some people live for that oh I'm going to meet up with certain people and, and speak and you know go for a walk wherever it was and, and when that stuff gets taken away from you do you know what I mean? You, it, it was definitely tough for them, and and I think it's it's definitely drove that that mental health aspect, and and that's why I think people need to 
they just yeah, like I said, they need to be careful with what they say and, and how they're approaching it. And, and don't get me wrong, the, the world is full of opinions and that's what makes the world go round and everyone's gonna have their opinion and that's what makes football and in, in general so great because everyone has different opinions and different views. But like we said, when you're overstepping that mark is when you never know where you that could just push someone over the edge. And it's just it's it's, it's crazy. Like have you ever you've mentioned that people have overstepped the mark with you. How do you deal with that? How do you like fit, like move like because you have to have some like rhino skin to be able to not let comments affect you because it's the, it's just yeah. the, like as in I say you but anybody does. How do you if you've been if if that sort of stuff has been directed at you? How do you move on from it or deal with it? When I was younger, I used to just react. Do you know what I mean? I just be a bit hot headed and angry and jummy you know, and wanted to fight everyone and. Like I said, the way we came up, we had the fight for us. Do you know what I mean? It was so it was no, and that was a kind of mentality that you you just went with. But now it's just like I'm just at a point where I'm just like it's what it is. Like you've called us, you know. I just not even go with the flow, but it doesn't affect me. Like I'm just like cool. My process is okay. If I seen him or seen that person on the street, would they say it? No, they wouldn't say it to your face. They're just hiding online. But it's mad weird, like, in this world now. Like, it's so easy to pick up on the negative aspects of things. It's so much easier than picking up the positive. I swear to God, there could be 10 positive messages and you've got four negative ones, but the four one way down on you. Negativity sounds, doesn't it? It's, it's, the, it's the thing for people. It's so much easier to be negative towards someone than positive. And it's, I always just think it's like people are... They always want to, they see themselves in a certain way. But instead of owning up to themselves and, and having that, that tough conversation with themselves, they want to put it onto someone else. So we let me divert that energy towards them because they'll see like, I'm not saying everyone, but there's certain people that they'll be doing, they'll see other people doing well and they don't like it. They, they want to put limitations on, on people because that's their limitation. You, so I would just think to myself. So like superimpose well, it on someone else. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, my, well, my, I know my limit. You can't have a limit on yourself. Do you know what I mean? But there's certain people out there that put the limitations on them. It's like, oh, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. No, no, you can. You can do it. Simple as. Because I'm, I believe you put your mind to it. You can, you can do it. And even if you don't achieve to the level that you want to do it, whether it's great or whatever. But if you if you strive for, for greatness, if you strive towards excellence, believe me, you're not going to fall short from it. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I did, but I just see like people, whatever's going on and with them and how they see things and things aren't going right for them. They want to they want to portray onto other people and they want to put their limitations on other people and they want to weigh other people down because they want people to be in the same situation that they're in or they don't want other people to be happy. And and that is the thing nowadays is like you said everything everything is negative. It, negative is the is the thing that sells, and it's so hard for people to be positive. And it, it's not hard for you to go, oh well done, or do you know what, unlucky today, or you know tomorrow's another day. Don't worry, you know we'll win next week or whatever it might be. I'm just relating on football, but in a day to day thing, you walk around. There's so many miserable people. It's like just, just smile, be happy. Do you know what I mean? Just I'm, even if things. Are, are hard for you. I believe me that I've seen people that have gone through things, but they put on that front where they are happy. Do you know what I mean? 
So when that's when I kind of go back to in, in my thinking, and believe me, I could be wrong, and that's just the way that I'm thinking. But like when I said when, when people said, "Oh, I'm going through stuff," that's where it comes to me because when I've seen the people that are really, really going through stuff, they're putting on that front of, "Oh yeah, I'm so happy on this and that," but deep down inside, it's killing them. But they know because they know the kind of situation that they're in, they don't want to affect other people's mood and bring them down maybe to that level. And but it, 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 everything is, is so tough now, isn't it? And it's, it's borderline, but I think it is definitely, there's obviously levels to, to the whole mental health, since you know, because there's times where you're going to feel low in, in, your, in yourself. And I think every human being has that, but then you kind of can snap back into reality. Personally, for me, I can, if I see there's other people in different situations and I'm like, you know what, I'm just being a big baby here. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of in that situation, for myself and but then when I put myself in certain situations where I look back on when I'm at Nottingham Forest and I'm living in the hotel for three months and things were going we're not winning and I'm just in a hotel room four walls and I'm just looking like I've got no one do you know what I mean like it's locked down family are down south London and blah blah and I'm just like I don't want to talk to no one like I've got my missus ringing my phone I'm like I'm ignoring her calls mum messaging and even like they're messaging and it's annoying me i'm like do you know what i mean like <laughs> that's, you know, ages even well, that's age as well <laughs> and i'm just like oh I'll just i'm just thinking to myself like just give me a day just give me a day like i don't need people no you, can, you can't say that though you can't text yeah. and say, i'll speak to you tomorrow i just need some space because you'll be like what's the matter yeah and all of a sudden yeah. it gets, it gets it, worse oh, yeah and it just carries on going on what are you doing is everything all right you're like uh yeah and no it's like, cool i'll just just let me just let me sleep like i'm just thinking like you know what it's gone and I'm just so I'm down but I'm just looking I'm got to the point where I'm like I'm not even Netflix I'm just like iPad shirt not even watching Netflix I'm just I said I'm just sitting on my bed just looking at the walls like I'm just thinking like why like why is this happening like why are we losing or why are we not like why am I not playing well and it's just like what if I've done this and I was just overthinking because I had so much time to think because I was on my own and there was I didn't have anyone there to to distract me from from being like the football one I think that's what I've had to learn over the years is I always think find something that takes you away from football because ultimately it is your life and that is everything but there's so much there's so much more out there for you to to be worried about and like I said next game is always another opportunity but there's moments in time that might pass you by that never going to come back outside of football whether that is your kids and your family growing up and them doing whatever they might be or, do you know what I mean? And, and there's a moment in time where, like, you could be in that funk and I'm worrying too much about football, but that person next to me is, they're hurting, they're inside and, or that might have actually been the last message that they wrote to me, do you know what I mean? And and you ignored them and, and they, they pass away. Like, it, it happens so many times to people and it's just like, you have to just live in the moment nowadays because there's so much going on and there's so much more in this world and you know like you can't you can't let football just occupy your your life in general like don't get me wrong there's certain people that will and they might see differently but for for me you have to live in that moment there's there's so many moments and there's so much stuff going around you that can take you away from football because you're you're so in tune to it for so many years and I like like I said last lockdown was so amazing because for 10, 11 years, that's the first time I've had like a break where I don't think, I haven't got to think about football. And it was, it was wonderful. Like, 
but you have to, like I said, you have to be able to to take yourself away from 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 the sport or whatever you're doing because it can it can eat away at you and and like you said you just have to you will just have to be present in the moment I think in in any walk of in life so for that 90 minutes you've got to be present in that football match not always do you know what I mean but you're always that's what you have to do and then when you come home just be present with your with your family and your kids and and just take them moments in because you don't want to look back on, on your life and just think wasted these moments and it's the same with, with football when you're on the football don't waste the opportunity don't waste that moment of, of striving to be better and to become better in yourself and, and to and you don't want to look back and that's always the thing for me I don't want to look back on my career and think oh you know what I could have I could have done that I should have I don't want that weighing down on me do you know what I mean when you retire you just want to retire and be happy and just live your life and not have a life of regrets but I think that's the problem with too many people. You get to the point where you live a life of regret. And I've seen it so many times with people within your family or with your friends where there's one pivotal moment in your life that could have changed the course of your life and they chose the wrong thing. And then you look back and now that, it eats away you. Like, don't, they, they'll say that you won't, but it will. 100% I believe it does because that moment in time when it, you might be getting on with stuff, but at some point that, there's a flashback when, for example, if you didn't make it as a footballer or you chose the wrong thing and you drive past kids on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning playing on the fiver side or tenor side, eleven side, whatever they might be doing, you're thinking, oh, what? Like, I wish I made the most of that opportunity. I wish I took that moment in, like, you know, because they're, they're priceless moments. And that's 100%. what people, people, need to, people need to understand is. And when you look back now, the... I look back on football and your career, they are the happiest moments of your life because you are free. Whereas now football, it's a business for you at the end of the day, it's your career. So you get to the point where you have to look at it that as much as you love it, there's also the aspect where you're in a business. So the owners, obviously, I see it that way, the manager, blah, blah. Like I said, everyone's looking out for themselves. So you have to always be able to look out for yourself as well. And, and that's what always strikes me as well with when, when fans and they say, oh, people don't, players don't have loyalty to clubs and blah, blah, blah. But the same vice, they don't have loyalty to us in, the, in terms of not the fans, but the owners or the, the managers. There's, there's not that much loyalty in, in, in that sense as well. So, Mate, we said, we, come, we, we said we'd come back to it and that, yeah. it's, it's you know, right at the start and it's, it's actually come full circle, which is really nice. About You mentioned the word item, like you feel like you're an item and like obviously the loyalty. Yeah. I think it's, uh, there is knowing the reality of football and being a fan are two different lenses to look, look through the game yeah. at. And the fan will look at the, will be loyal to our club, you yeah. know, unless they, they unless you're one of those glory hunters and you just support yeah. it. <laughs> but they're, yeah. they're, they are loyal through and through. And, and I suppose you know, if we take this situation where you sign for Fulham, Fulham promote dream of playing in the Premier League and you're then loaned out to Nottingham Forest, it's a business. Ultimately, it's not, you know, and it, that must be really hard to take because there's an opportunity there that you've worked all your life to, to get to. And now yeah. the business has said, no, nah, not today. We're going in yeah. a different direction. Yeah. Exactly. And, and and that's the thing. And, you know, it could have been the easy option could have been for me to sit there at Fulham and, you know, potentially play 10, 15 games. But, but like I said, what, I'm, what am I gaining from that? 
like that's not that's not doing anything for me because like you said, football is your love and it's the it's the game that you enjoy. Hey mate, you and dodged the bullet in all fairness, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, do you know what I mean? But it's obviously hindsight, isn't it? Really, like I could at a time like you know, I've gone and played 40, 44 games. I think it was this year, like every minute. Do you know what I mean? Back to back, and whereas I could be sitting here now and be like, oh, I just played ten games and got relegated. Or if I stayed, it could have gone the opposite way. Do you know what I mean? I could have played every game and maybe got relegated, or we could have done really well and, and stayed up. It was just. You'd obviously never know, obviously what's laid out, but you know it's it's like I said, I I, I always back myself to to do well and and to and to, to claim the to get in the shirt. And I think for every club that I play for, and you know I've always given my all, and and that's one thing I think you'll always get from me. And and I think as well within, I think people just misunderstand me as the, for the way I am. You know, like I'm not one of the people that's out there like, oh yeah, waving at the fans and. Do you know what I mean? Like showing like loads of emotion because I'm not an, I'm not an emotional person. <laughs> like you ask people, I, 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 that's not me. Like deep down inside, I'm buzzing. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I'm not going to be there like running up to the fans. Mate, I always have. I might always say that I'm having a party on the inside. Don't worry about what's yeah. happening on the outside. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and then, but that's what I'm saying. So if people then learn to understand the way that you are, and I think that's how within within football. And I would go back to. What makes it so clear is when you watch the last dance with Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, every player, he understood them as a human, as a person, what they were and what they brought to the team. And he worked around that. He didn't just think, this is my idea. This is the way I think we're doing this. Dennis Robin, right, go off to Vegas and do whatever you need to do. Legends. But I know that he's going to come back and give me whatever. And all the players understood that. And I think that's so big within football. You look at, I think there's so many teams there now that I like that where you're probably looking at players and you're probably thinking, okay, they're, they're good players, but now they've hit different levels because the right managers come in and it's it's about timing and being in the right place at the right time. Do you see, so that, do you see that often, do you? That literally yeah, a change of manager can change yeah. a player's performance? Yeah, it's a lot of football, but you, like you said, you from the outside, yeah, blah, 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 but you don't know what that manager is doing from the inside because you don't really know how the dynamics are at the thingy, but from my point of view, there's been times where when I've played your best football and it's like that manager has full trust in you and they I bring out the best in you and it's like I remember Mark Robbins at Coventry and I was I was playing and I'd just come back from the knee injury and he was just like after I played three, four games, I was doing really well and he was just like, you know what, give the ball to Cyrus. He's making things happen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like feeling a million dollars. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, like, thank you. Like he's saying this in front and I was the youngest in the team at that point. And then, like, and I just think the way people are man-managed is the biggest thing in football because not everyone is the same. Everyone is different. Like, things that get you going in the sense of to perform, that works for you, might not work for someone else. So people have to approach things differently. And, and like I said, you now you see it with so many, so many players, like Wolves, they bring in uh, Nuno San, um, the manager. He takes them to a whole other level. Because before that, they wasn't at the level that they just reached, but he managed to unlock them and he unlocked every individual's ability because everyone has the ability to, to go in and then obviously you, you surround them with the right people. Like you said, they had the right team, the right dynamics, the right people around each other that made the, brought the best out of each other. They go on to one of level and now look at them there. Settled Premier League side, Sheffield United, the same. Like 
do you know what I mean? You, at one point, you're probably looking like, oh, well, you wouldn't have thought they would have gone on to do what they did, but they did because the manager managed the people, not the the the, the footballer. He managed maybe the human being, and 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 I think that that is such a big thing now, and that's what people don't realize. But then ultimately, as well, managers don't get that much time. Yeah. So nowadays. so you know, um, so you you've been at Fulham a couple of years now, yeah. So um, Dan Holmes, he's the team psych. Dan Holmes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he works with us as well. So he lives in Exeter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was with him a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah. we're chatting. He obviously getting the train up to Fulham. Well, he'd been working there a couple of seasons. And we were, we were just talking about um, Fulham's season this year and like some of the like, just interesting conversation he had. And he mentioned exactly that. Managers don't get enough time to implement yeah. a culture you know the the the, the Arsene Wenger's and the Alex Ferguson dynasties. Then they're, they're long gone now. You you might get a couple of seasons at best gone. They don't get enough yeah. time to imprint a philosophy. It's very much uh, like you say, an item in out. Shake shake this about. Move this person here. Get them out. Chuck them on loan. Get someone else in. And it's all like very sort of clicked. Yeah. I mean, look, you. It's um. He said it's very. Uh, it's a shame that that happens because you try and have an ethos, values and st standards within a club. They just don't have the time yeah. to be able to put that in place. No, managers don't get the, they don't get the time nowadays. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's just it, the pressures and up from the outside also as well. And, you know, then, and then the owners will be feeling that heat from maybe fans if it's not going the right way. But, you know, things take time. You know, it's not always just going to work straight away and, I touched on it earlier, didn't I? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't always just happen straight away. And and, that, and that's the thing within football as well now, like when people look at you, they just think overnight success. or But they don't see the hard yards that go into to, to making something of yourself. And but yeah, you said, yeah, it's, it's hard for managers because they, they, they don't get that time. And, you know, you're not going to be every manager's cup of tea and you're not going to be every person's cup of tea, but it's just, that's that's the way it is, and you have to learn that. And you know, you, I think in football, you personally, I don't, you can't go out. You can't. You're not going to please everyone, so don't go out your way to try and please everyone. Just be the best person that you can be, and and majority of people will, will see that, and they'll see the the work that you put in, and they'll see the the effort that you bring forth, the commitment towards the club, and I think that's what most fans just want to see. Really, is is the commitment. Like obviously, they want to see the the wins and the thing you've got, as long as people are 100% committed to the club, because like you said, they're loyal to their, their clubs, most of the fans. So that's what they want to see from, from you. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you could be playing amazing and then next minute, new manager comes in, something changes and all of a sudden you're out the door and, and you're, and you're on to the next. Mate, a couple of short fire questions to finish off with. Best yeah. moment in your football career. Like making it in a in a debut was was uh, was great. Obviously, playoff winning in Wembley, then making international debut was crazy. Um, you had a cheeky little win against Germany, didn't you? I was just about to mention that you read my mind. Yeah, that was that's one of the biggest standouts, definitely. Because at that moment in time, obviously they were number one in the world. Who were you? Who were you um, directly opposing? Who was the player that you had to defend against? Um, I was up against. Um, I was up against uh, Marco Royce. 
that day. And what was the mindset going into that? Going, I'm going to give him the worst game of foot. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be the the worst gamer, or give yeah. him the game he's ever experienced. Sort of thing. Or was it like I don't know if no, I'm it, was, this it was it was crazy because it was my only, it was my second, it was my third cap, but it was my second like competitive cap. So I scored on my debut um, in a competitive one, um, and then my second game was. It was obviously Germany. And I remember going into it and I was Seamus Conn was injured and they were like, oh, I think I was 22. And I remember like, and I was still, like, I said I was, yeah, and I was still like naive a bit, to be honest. And um, I was just sitting there and then obviously I had to do the press conference and they were like, you know, there's obviously a big chance that you could play and blah, blah. And I was like, oh. at the time, I, I kind of knew, but obviously didn't want to give it away. And I was like, oh, you know, you know, I think we can beat them. I remember getting battered. <laughs> Everyone on social media, they were like, this guy's delusional, blah, blah, blah. They were just hammering me. And I was just like, but for some reason, like I said, you you get that uh, you get that moment where you just know that it's, it, something could happen. And then um, it was just, yeah, it was, um, it was crazy. Like, I know, yeah, like we obviously ended up winning 1-0. Um, and it just became... It's, yeah, it just became mad, and it obviously set us on the way to to the to the Euros. Yeah, I just remember obviously I done the press conference for the end of that game. I just remember ten minutes into the game, the first ten minutes was horrible. They were runners everywhere, and I was thinking, oh my god, this is like gonna be a long game. And then, but at just that moment in time, everything was gone. We are blocking everything, like shots. They weren't breaking us down because we always knew that defensively we were solid. Like that was, and we knew obviously like Ireland is full commitment, passion. And it gets you, it, it would get us through. And we always knew that we could nick a goal. And then when Shane Long hit the back of the net, it just like, and then all of a sudden, every now, once he scored, every now, just, you just find something within you, like you're blowing, but everything just, you somehow find another ounce of energy. And I actually remember going out and I'm like, knowing that I might not block the cross because it's quite far away, but it's blocking, it's hitting me. And I'm just like, oh, and then you see Randolph make a save and then you see someone else block it. Then Wes Houlihan's dribbling past a couple and you're just like, and you can just hear the crowd just roaring. I like, oh, that was probably one of the best moments in football, honestly, like the, because obviously you know that you've played a massive part in it as well. It was just, oh, it was not, but that night was, yeah, that was amazing. And then, then obviously you just, for some reason, that, that moment over them years, like was such good years, like going to the Euros and, and whatever. There was just, like I said, there's so many moments in, in football where they've, they all have different meanings. Do you know what I mean? Making your debuts and the Germany game or whatever. It's just, it's crazy how. Mate. How it, how it went it's just, yeah. Final two, final two questions. Who's the best player you've ever played with and who's the best player you've ever played against? Uh, so, best player I've played against. Um, I'm going to say... Best player I think I've played against would be Hazard because he'd be so hard to get the ball off. But um, he didn't really ever run you, but the way he just maneuvered his body to the like, he, you know I mean? he just never gave the ball away. You couldn't get it off him. Every time he touched him, foul because he just managed to get his leg there. Or that was tough. Remember, Martial was tough when I played against him. That was a tough game because he was so direct and he was just so quick to go both ways. Like usually one player they're better off going one way. Like he just somehow stayed at the same pace going both ways. It was incredible. Um he was yeah, he was good. Hazard I mean, 
Man City boys when you play against them. It was, there's so many good players now, like, but yeah, Hazard in terms of at that time as well, it was just like he was obviously on fire that season. But he just, yeah, you just couldn't get the ball off him. Like, you get tight to him, he rolls you. You try and stand him up 1v1, he just bounces a 1-2 and gets away. It's just, yeah, like they had hard. Um, best player I've played with. Funny enough, someone asked me this yesterday when I was playing golf. And he plays with him now. Where's we land? Different. Yeah, just, if you would have put him in a big, big, in a big team within, in the Prem, he would have shone. But just like that, for some reason, some people would like, it just doesn't, I don't know why. Like, but, you know, he had a fantastic, still playing at 39, do you know what I mean? Just got promoted with Cambridge. But like, he was another one, you just can't get a ball off him. But then you see him in training, like, you might just give the ball away loads of times, doing some mad stuff, but then all of a sudden you give him the ball again and then he dribbles back to everyone. Just goal, like, five aside, you may as well not play. You just give the ball to him and just let him do his thing. And I just think he's so underrated. Like, he didn't get the, the plaudits and the credit that he deserves. And yeah, amazing, amazing player. An amazing guy as well. Like true professional as well, and I'd say Wes Wheeler, yeah, he's one of the best. So I think I've played with some really good players, but obviously like Robbie Keane and, and people like that. Do you know what I mean? They've all had great careers, and people I've played with Fulham, Derby, and and Ireland, yeah, fan, fantastic players. And but yeah, Wes Wes definitely like all day if you if you want someone in your team, it's him. And then do you know what I mean? There's there's so many players, like there's so many to name, like. Striker wise, you know what I mean, like Mitrovic and and people like that. But and then when I look back at it, they all there's all one thing in common. They all have a great work ethic, as simple as as, as matching their ability. So yeah, no, fantastic, fantastic players. So I definitely go with West Ham. Mate, hundred percent. Mate, it's been class talking to you. Um, I've learned so yeah. much as well. And um, the one thing that stands out that always stands out when I speak to people like yourself is the yeah. dedication you have for what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve and and the relenting pursuit of achieving the goals that you set for yourself without yeah. the limitations and boundaries and it's it, it's it's amazing because it inspires me as well to continue to try and be like that um and, that, yeah. and that's why and that's what i i know from the previous shows that i've recorded that it does with other people so i thank you for your time mate and i wish you all the no best worries. for the season no and worries thank you for having me no worries cheers man thank you i appreciate it If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast channel for updates on new releases. And why not leave a review on your podcast provider and follow us on Instagram on the at Can't Can Will page to show your support. Thanks, legends. <laughs>